Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, I'm a little groggy. I, I, I slept in on a little bit of accident. So I have coffee in my hands. Uh, it will it will start doing its work, uh, and I actually get pretty fired up about 20 minutes into this podcast. So i got to carry you for the first 20 minutes. Apparently. Huh? apparently. <laughs> uh, I, um, I have a suspicion you're going to be okay. I really, really enjoyed your article this week linking together um, linking together TV advertising and tracing back into who the advertisers are, like tracing back what industries they are and, um, and connecting them. And uh, I came away with um, a feeling um, that was something we, uh, we talked about this topic on an unrelated note that we won't get into right now, but earlier in the week about how everything is interconnected. And that was very much my sense having finished what you wrote this week. And I, I thought you did a really good job of it. Thanks. It's, it's interesting. I almost feel I was a little <laughs> too ambitious in this article. And and based on some of the responses I got, I I, I think I, I didn't convey my, my point well enough. And I guess... You know, historically, going back and and over the course of trajectory in particular, uh, and even before we started this podcast, the thing we've talked about here as well, I've actually been relatively conservative about the downfall of TV. Mm. Like, I think that the cable bundle is a good deal. I think it's stickier than people think. I think there are, as much as the linear-based channel system uh, seems to suck, there are actually important advantages to it. Like, you know, like, like you... Anything you want to watch, you know it's on. You mm. just have to find it. And yes, it's ridiculous that you have to find it, and that that's not as straightforward as it should be. But at the end of the day, that's different than having a beautiful user experience where you're missing half the content, and half the time you have to figure out whether you even have it or not. And if you don't, you have to find like an illegal stream or go to a bar or, or whatever to watch. You know, like the NBA Finals this week. You know, r- wrapping up, which I'm, I know you watched very, very closely. Very closely. And and. and like the, the, there's the user experience is always contextual, right? So you can have a great user experience on like uh, the Apple TV or a Roku or whatever it might be, but the user experience is also what's there. Like, and if there's content that's not there, and it doesn't matter how easy it is to find or get to. If you have to get in yeah. your car and drive to a bar, or if you get some illegal stream with like forty seven pop ups, and you have to dismiss them and watch them, and it sucks. People get that confused all the time. I feel like there's a there's a uh, a, a, a a misattribution that the user interface is the same thing as the user experience. And yes, it's, it's not the same thing. It is a subset of the overall experience. Right. Exactly. We got into this with Siri last week. Right. It's great that Siri is going for this full natural language processing. And a fair pushback we got is is this will allow Siri you know, to extend to more languages mm. more easily. Well, well, theoretically, because Apple will handle it as opposed to individual developers having to support individual languages and stuff like that. And that's total, That's absolutely fair, and it's, it's a great point. But at the end of the day, like, there's an aspect of, you know, the Alexa being able to do over a thousand things relative to Siri doing six things. Like, that, that, like at some point, even if the the interface for one is better at some point the user experience flips to the less better one because of the, t- the totality of what it can do and i think it's a similar sort of idea here. i, th- I think it's ex- it's a it's a great parallel it's exactly the same idea 
So, so, so in general, so this is the context, and maybe I should have been pointed to this more, just to like where I'm coming from. I'm not one of those. The sky is falling on TV. The the bundles gonna be done. You know, sell your stocks, etc. I I've actually not been that. I've been on the other point. In fact, one of the articles I wrote last year that in some respects I'm still a little nervous about, like I'm out on a limb here is, you know, that ESPN and Disney is going to be fine. Like I think they can go over the top of the, in the future world. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's not true. I'm not sure. But the point is in general, when I've taken risks in predicting this area, it's been more conservative than not that, mm. that the current ecosystem is going to hold up, hold up longer than, than you might expect. Right. And so when I was thinking about I've been thinking about this, you know, a, a fair bit recently. The the thing that, the to your point, if you get into what's so interesting about TV is why is TV advertising so so effective? Well, I mean, and it really is effective, and we've talked about this a few times. And it's just for establishing establishing like a brand, and, and branding matters. And I know that you, you know from a sort of geek perspective, it's easy to dismiss and say, oh, we're just going to research everything and all that. And that's that's just not that's not the way the world works. Like, you, you develop affinity, you you develop, brands get permission, but like by just, and, and in part just by being everywhere, like it becomes a norm that, that, that drinking this beer has, is whatever, uh, or, or using uh-huh. this deodorant, or this, you know, this car, or whatever, like any, any number of things, and that stuff, that stuff matters, and TV is still better at it than any other platform in the world, it, like, it means something that you be on TV, and it means something that you be against a certain show, it means something that you watch NBA Finals, you know, such and such a product is, is, is advertised, in a way that being, maybe being mixed in in a Facebook feed with, like, the latest pay-to-play game doesn't quite have that that resonance and and that's and so it it is a meaningful medium and it will continue to be a meaningful medium and this is the part I wasn't clear with my article I think it will actually continue to be a meaningful medium for these sorts of companies longer than people might think it will be there's typically a lag with these things right and uh it's partly because I think these lags um uh, well, actually, so I'm I'm thinking about advertising, but no, go. Uh, I'm 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 jumping ahead. You're saying it's going to be a, a meaningful medium for people to continue watching it uh, and engaging with it, just from an audience perspective. Yeah, and I think the 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 question has always been, when will this sort of brand advertising that dominates TV move to move to digital and move to mobile devices? And that's always been a bull case for me for Facebook in particular. Mm. It's it's a bull case for Snapchat. I think Snapchat is particularly well-suited to these sorts of things, uh, even to a greater degree than, than Facebook is, particularly if they keep it kind of like an exclusive where like I, I would love to see Snapchat focus on like only do brand advertising, right? Like keep it as a sort of premium channel with premium sort of ad experiences, not the sort of like, you know, click me to install this app mm-hmm. that will you know, will suck up suck up time. And uh, I don't know if they're going to go that way, but but I hope, I actually think in the long run, even though it's going to be a longer path, I think it would be a, mm-hmm. arguably a, a better path. Right. So the, but the question has been, when is this money going to shift from TV? When is it going to shift from TV? And it's always been the presumption that as att- attention leaves TV right. and goes to these other devices, particularly among young people and the millennials and that, that you know, not to use that term, but it's, it, it's useful. Mm. At, you know, when is that, when is the advertisers going to shift? And I wrote a piece a year ago called Old Fashioned Snapchat that, that this was kind of the premise of it, that advertising has stayed a relatively stable part of GDP, although it has gone down a bit the, the last couple of years, which we can touch on. And, and 
when and if attention shifts, that advertising money is going to go somewhere. And and why not Snapchat? So I mean, this is a, a a drum I've been banging for for well over a year. And the assumption again has been that TV will kind of lose its resonance, forcing advertisers to go elsewhere. What occurs to me, and what occurred to me is kind of the premise of this article, is maybe that assumption, that sort of causal assumption, is is backwards. Or maybe not so much backwards as it is underappreciating the degree to which television is intertwined with its advertising. It's such a good point. Because you think about it, what, what are the advantages of TV? This idea of being able to do sort of broad-based, you know, it, total top of the funnel stuff. Like, of course, there's lots of fall off and it, you can't necessarily, you could track awareness and brand lift and intention to buy, which they do. That's how they measure stuff on TV. But you're, you're, it's hard to med- track it all the way back to purchase. And, and like, basically, the, when you think about the marketing funnel, moving people down through the funnel, like, there's all this drop off along the way. Like, yes, some people find out about the product, how many actual form an intent to buy, how many develop that intent, how many research, how many actually go to the store and buy something. And again, a lot of it's not even research. It's just, just you pick something off the shelf and you're not sure why, but it's because you have this affinity b- built up. But there's massive leakage along the way, right? People fall off, fall out of the funnel. Like, look at a funnel, it, it actually gets narrower, right? The reason it gets narrower narrower is not because it's like the scientific process where you're you're guiding people to the end. That's a nice way of putting it that you're advertising to a shit ton of people who aren't going to buy your product. Mm. <laughs> and so it, it's it, the, the funnel is more descriptive than it is like prescribing how people move down. It, it, basically, it's saying of all the people you make aware of your product, a very small fraction are going to convert. And and how do you actually get them across that, that finish line? The the interesting thing is it's it's almost always been the case that when these new technologies come along, there is a uh, there is the 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 viewers or the eyeballs shift first, and there's a lag in the advertising. And I think it's caused by a couple of things. One, it's caused just by people having done things always the way they've done it. They're used to these big brands are used to dealing with television. They're used to putting these. Uh, that they're, they're used to they're used to like thinking in this medium it's always worked and there's always this lag except in the in the most progressive companies in terms of like okay we've just done television we're going to assume it's going to be television um but I think that's only half the story the other half of the story is that when these transitions happen the advertising um, mechanisms on the new format typically don't work very well and I think that's been the case with mobile for a while. And I think what's starting to happen, you point to Facebook and Snapchat, I think the advertising, the quality of the advertising is finally starting to catch up to the viewership. I, I agree, but 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 and that that's a totally fair point. I, I and I included it because it's an important point, mm. but I think that that it almost detracted a little bit from my bigger, broader point. And this is where maybe I wasn't as clear as I sh- as I should have been. And what I mean is the sorts of businesses that mm-hmm. advertise on TV that that invest in this we're going to spend a good amount of money to to create the commercial and to spend it on on the actual like broadcasting and all this sort of stuff they are companies that all aspects of their business are about mm-hmm. being big and broad and scale so you have the telecom companies you have car companies you have credit card companies consumer packaged good companies uh farm pharmaceuticals entertainment companies all these companies their business models are premised on the mass market they are premised on on selling to economies of scale. They are all classic 20th century companies, post-World War II companies, where you built these big conglomerations, you brought all these people together. Did they deliver a superior product? 
No, they didn't, but that wasn't the point because what was the limiting factor in building effective businesses at, at, in, in this time period? Scale. It was mass scale in distribution, right? Like for a CPG company, I think CPG companies are the most compelling example here, and they are mm. the biggest advertisers. Mm-hmm. P&G is the biggest advertiser in the U.S. Uh, the number two advertiser worldwide is Unilever. They, they don't advertise as much in the U.S. because their, their, their brands are more strong in Europe and in Asia, but but uh, there's also L'Oreal's on here, Johnson & Johnson. I think on the, world, on the global list, which I don't have in front of me, I think there might have been five CPG companies, and they're all in like the top ten or something. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and again, CPG companies, we've talked about it. It's all the, like all, all this all this shit you use in your household that you don't think about, right? Paper towels, uh, uh, Royals, cosmetics, um, you know, deodorant, toilet yeah. paper. Yeah, like all like that sort of stuff. Like um, the Swiffer mop we've talked about. You know, the cleaning your floor. Like the sort of stuff that you you're not going to invest a lot of research in. And 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 all these all these sorts of companies. Uh, they're all predicated on distribution. Like the big advantage of for CPG, the reason why they have these house of brands and they do all these sorts of things, the key thing that makes these companies work is shelf space. Like that is the fundamental constraint when it comes to moving product. And what they are able to do is because they have products that any self-respecting grocery store needs to have, like Tide laundry detergent, you know, for example, like they can leverage that into shelf space for other products and and then they buy end caps and they, they do all and there's all this stuff is connected and, and mm. the very it's it's not just connected from a like retailers are connected to CPG makers are connected to to television advertisers. The entire structure of their company is intertwined in this. The point of a CPG company is to be big. Like that's that's because their their business model is predicated on that. It's, um, I think it's, um, it's, there are so many different, because it's so interconnected, there's a complexity in understanding how these effects play out. And I think, I think the essence of what I took away from, from what you said is they were shifting spend to digital because they saw these things uh, emerging, but it didn't seem to be working. And so they've started to shift back to television. And I started to think why that might be. And if you think about the ways in which they sell these products, they sell these products into traditional supermarkets and or, or wherever, traditional brick and mortar retail stores. The problem with advertising on digital for these companies versus advertising on television is the people who watch television are the ones going into these brick and mortar stores more so than the people who are uh, viewing things on their digital devices. So when these companies sell ads on their on digital devices, they're targeting people that don't traditionally buy in the channels they sell. And that's the reason why that I th- uh, like that was part of the takeaway for me in reading the article. It's it's they're realigning their spend to the chan- their marketing spend to the people who shop in the channels that also watch those mediums. Does that make sense? It, I do think that's a part of it, but I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's just an efficiency question. To get efficiency from digital advertising and understanding how that converts into actual like brick-and-mortar purchases mm. is, is very tough. Is very tough. And it's something that, that Facebook and Google and, and, and Snapchat are all working on. But in general, these are relatively low-margin products where your goal is to kind of 
get loyal purchases for for life. I mean, you know, Procter and Gamble makes their money through the lifetime value of acquiring a customer, and mm-hmm. that they buy the same laundry detergent for 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 forever, basically. Like they they make annuities out of their customers, mm-hmm. and television is just better at that. It's better at it's better at doing it, and better and than what? Just to be clear, better than than any alternatives we've 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 come across we've we've come across to date. So, but not necessarily what might emerge from Snapchat or Facebook or Instagram, though, right? It'll probably still be better. I mean, television is a very compelling medium, and for these sorts of companies, the downside of television, like the the more the harder it is to, you know, the uncertainty about when it converts to purchase and all that sort of tracking, that that's actually not that big of a deal. Like, I think the problem that the way that that Facebook and Snapchat and, and Google are trying to solve this by helping them track to purchase, mm. I, I actually don't think that's a big priority for these companies. Like, because they know the they know that. Like that's that's kind of not the point. It's not it, it, contrast to our podcast discussion, right? The point isn't to get someone to buy a mattress mm. and know when they bought that mm-hmm. mattress, and it's a very high purchase thing. And right. you buy one mattress every ten years. Totally. The the point is to to just do this gradual shift in people's mindsets so that when they're passing through the grocery store, they need to order it, they grab the one you want, and they get in the habit of buying, and they do it all the time, and they they have an appreciation and and believe me, the 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 sophistication of these brand managers is goes way beyond like any of this thing that I'm describing and, and far beyond probably what a lot of people listening to this podcast can imagine, but like how to shift people's thinking and, and the ROI question is really is, is important here, but it's important in a, in a, not in a, like I need to understand to the decimal point how they're tracking to purchase, but I need to feel good that I'm getting an efficient shift in sentiment with, with, with my spend and TV is still better at shifting sentiment again in, in the slightest degree over the long run than any medium. And frankly, it probably always will be like, you know, weaving aside the attention issues, like it, it works. It's, it's been proven out. Uh, th- there's all the challenges of advertising, even on Facebook where it's, it's in a feed and, and, mm. and Snapchat where it's more interrupted the user experience. And yes, commercials are interrupted the user experience and a lot of people skip them DVRs. I get that, but it was, but it's something that is more people are used to. They're accepted, and it, it, it's good. It works. I I agree. I, I I still think there's a nuance here that this that that at least so far that we've kind of skipped over though, which is that the uh you you the that you're you're right in terms of them thinking about it in terms of lifetime value. So brand managers are thinking about it in terms of lifetime value, and if that's the case. The place where you want to be getting people and getting them early, and this is the point that one of the points you made in the art, in your article, is that you want to be getting them while they're young. And the yes, TV works, um, uh, Soteris Paribus, everything else being equal. The issue is that viewership is dropping so tremendously amongst. Um, uh, there was a phenomenal chart that you in- included from uh, Redef, which is also a fantastic resource, showing that among the millennial age groups, TV viewership is down dramatically and if brand managers are, are trying to target those people particularly while they're young before all the habits have been formed to try and get them or like move the needle just a little bit because that's that's your opportunity the habits habits haven't been formed you can get the needle you can get inside their heads and if they change there's this much longer um there's this much longer time period over which they're going to buy the product and that's the that's the 
the th- that's the interesting dynamic that's here that although young people are dropping off the the money is still coming back into television and I'm that's not to dispute any of what you just said about it being effective all things being equal but it's it's not all things being equal because young people just aren't watching the TV anymore right no for sure and so I, I what w- w- Let's, if you don't mind, let's yeah. set that aside because that, that's that's one hundred percent a valid point. But that's not a that's not a new point. I think this mm. idea that millennials in particular just aren't watching TV like they used to, uh, and even if they do have TV, they're much more likely to be using you know skipping commercials and, mm. and DVR mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there is an effic- efficacy question about advertising on TV that's not driven by the quality of the advertising, but it's driven by whether people are even seeing these things. Yep, yep. and so totally. so acknowledged but that that's that's not and i put that in the article and maybe it confused the point but that's not kind of the the bigger point that i was getting at so do you mind if we set that aside yeah sure so the the i guess the so let's let's presume for now that and the other thing too is going back to like cpg companies yes they want to keep people when they're young but at the end of the day their bread and butter is like uh is like 25 to 55 year old women <laughs> yes i mean just like not not to wade into a minefield, but they're they're pretty explicit uh-huh. about about this, um, and their presumptions about the makeup of the typical uh, American household, uh-huh. and who who does household purchases uh-huh. and things like that. Um, and yes, ideally that will change over time, but it, it, like they they deal with it is you know it is it is what it is. So the thing that the I guess the thing that 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 struck me about this as I was looking at, at these advertisers is the PNG companies have, or the PNG has their own problems, right? They have a problem that one, yeah, the, the advertising probably isn't as effective in launching new lines of businesses are harder than it used to be. They have a problem that I wrote about them a few years ago on trajectory, like the, the way they've thought about their business doesn't really translate to an e-commerce model, for example, mm, right? Mm, Where mm. you're searching for something yep. as opposed to scanning a, a collection of something. Uh, in some respects, stronger brands actually become more meaningful and less, you know, be, being less these sort of niche sort of things because you're searching for something. You have to, there has to be more recall um, than, than there would be otherwise. They have a problem from the high end where you're getting these specialized sort of, uh, particularly in sort of cosmetics things, but also cleaning products and lots of stuff. You're getting these very niche specialized brands that sell through e-commerce that would not be viable in a retail environment because they don't have the scale and purchasing power or, or monopsony power or, or selling power, I guess is the way it would be the way to put it to get into, to get shelf space. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't afford the margins that, that are required to do that. But they sell through online. Go back to the products article. Like I talked about like Dollar Shaving Club, or like Harry's Harry's razors, right? Mm. Like these are very niche sort of um, uh, companies that only make sense with an e-commerce model because they can keep their in an online model because they can keep their those sort of costs low and they don't need to sk- sell to a ton of people to have a viable business. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing more and more of these. So th- you're they're actually getting new sorts of competitors that are way more niche and way more targeted than than e- even P&G and their feverish house of dream, house of brands dreams that mm. have ever imagined being mm-hmm. 
So on the high end, so you have that coming in again, and that's enabled by the internet because they can they can, they can have a functional business model. It's like me, like being like a one person blog competing against the New York Times, right? Like I can be more focused and niche, no matter how great the New York Times is. Like I can dive into the minutia of tech in a way they just can't because they're fundamentally even online. Like th- there's only so narrow they can go. Mm-hmm. So that's on one end. On the other end, they have the exact opposite problem. They have Amazon increasingly looking to, you know, inexorably coming to dominate e-com- e-commerce is is rising as a share of U.S. retail. It, it's just constant. It, mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no hockey curve here. It's just constant. But but it's constant to the degree like you look forward like 10, 15 years and like and it's like it's like percent. Yeah, it's, it's like fifty or sixty or something. But and. As part of e-commerce, Amazon is increasing its share of e-commerce every year. So Amazon is taking more out of every, every bit of growth that goes to e-commerce in the U.S., Amazon's taking a bigger share of it. And yes, we're being pretty U.S.-centric here, and this won't necessarily hold everyone in the world, but the dynamics I think are similar. So forgive us for being U.S.-centric for, for, for a little bit here. And, and meanwhile, Amazon is backing into their business, like doing the private label stuff. And, and yes, private labels have existed on, on retail shelves, but one that like no retailer has ever had the brand power i think of of an amazon and the connection to the customer and also just the way you search for stuff is different like you type diapers into amazon like the number of options you're presented with are many fewer than if you're walking down down the aisle in walmart and particularly it being amazon you're probably going to trust and they'll set up the 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 subscription model. Maybe diapers are a great example because they had to they had to restart it because the first ones didn't work too well. They were, you know, um, speaking of leakage, leakage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you so on the bottom end, and Amazon's doing the exact opposite. Amazon's going far broader than CPG companies have ever been. Right? CPG companies that have so they're kind of stuck in this middle area where they've had these sort of targeted brands that are that are kind of targeted but not super duper targeted. Where Amazon's coming like here's here's one general purpose. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be available. You trust us. We'll set you up on a subscription thing. We'll send you, you know, a button. You can order it or whatever. And on the other end of these super specialized, highly targeted brands coming in and they're, they're getting squeezed and the move to online is exacerbating this because it, it's taking away the entire reason for these companies to exist, which was scale and purchase and, and, and selling power in, into, into owning distribution. It's so interesting because the the last big shift like this, to my mind, was um, was newspapers. And I want to come back to this because there's an interesting parallel that's not perfect, but I think it's worth touching on. But I'll park that for a second. It's so interesting because the last big shift in advertising happened because the new advertising medium or the new advertising format was so much more effective. So going from coupons or whatever in a newspaper uh, to uh, going to direct response on Google where you basically had a qualified customer, it was the improved quality of advertising in that shift to digital that um that killed the that killed the the um previous like the uh, it killed the previous advertising format what's interesting to me here is that um it looked like that was starting to be the case with television but the case you're making is it's not actually the shift to digital that's going to be the problem for tv um for for television 
it's because actually the format is really well suited to these um, to these specific companies that you're identifying. What's going to be the big long run problem is the fact that the companies that are most suited to advertising on television are themselves going to go away because they won't win in a digital world. Yeah, I, I, I go aways a little strong, but but all these forces of the internet are 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 disrupting, for lack of a better word, uh, like P and G and. and just as much as they are as that as they are TV, like in e-commerce, I think is probably is is the big thing is the big thing here. And so, like, let's let's go down the list of other of other advertisers. Uh, three Walmart, Target, Macy's are on this top twenty-five list. Like, why? Like, if you look forward, why should Walmart and Target exist in in a world where Amazon will deliver to you the same day? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, good the, question. The, who wants to go to like who wants to go to Walmart? Seriously, I mean, like, it's it, it's it. You don't go to Walmart for the quality of the shopping experience, right? You go to Walmart because they have a huge selection and they're cheap. Like, well, Amazon yes. has a huger selection and they're usually cheaper or at least competitive. Uh huh. And and if they can cross over the Rubicon when it comes to convenience where yes, Walmart, you can get it right away, but it's like an hour of your time, but, or you could just click a button and two hours later or four hours later, it'll, it'll be, it'll be at your door. Like there's an existential problem here for Walmart and target in particular. And Macy's kind of like mid mid tier, like department store, like all it's the same thing. We're talking about everywhere in the internet. The middle is getting eviscerated everywhere. Right, like either you're super targeted and highly differentiated, or you have massive scale, and all these companies that competed on massive scale are getting outscaled by Amazon. So the Macy's one was actually the one that I wanted to come back to because it's again, it's not a perfect parallel, but there is some really interesting stuff. There was um, a Politico of all places article most recently that I, I think we should link to in the show notes that basically showed or, or, or wove the narrative of how the business model of some of these businesses like Macy's are intertwined with the advertising model and implicitly the business model of newspapers. And as one has declined, the other one has as well because uh, the, the type of business that is best suited to winning in a digital advertising world, which is where you find your customers, doesn't look anything like Macy's and they can't recreate themselves. So as the shift happens, it's not just one, I mean, one or the other has to go down first, but they end up going down together. There's almost like a symbiotic relationship. And when one falls off, it takes the other one down with it. I mean, that's I, I didn't see that article. I'm but but which I'm glad because then I'd have to uh, attribute my idea to it. But no, that that that's the core of what I'm getting at. Like the, this this stuff is this stuff is is intertwined. Like these are companies. And the other thing about TV is like to do TV well requires scale in and of itself, right? Mm. For the because it's a big fixed cost and just producing the commercial and then and then selling it across and reaching you know the point is to reach a maximum number of people. You have to place to harvest all those people, right? Mm. So Walmart can advertise nationally or Macy's can advertise nationally because there's a Macy's in your city. Right, it, it it entails having a nationwide footprint to do nationwide advertising. Like there's like for for them to be a top twenty five advertiser, like it's not just you do it by choice. The, the entire in, structure of the company is inter, is intertwined with that. Mm. 
go on to cars. Cars are cars are uh, uh, similar but different. They're similar in that, oh, well, unlike unlike say consumer packaged goods, where you realize the value over many small purchases, you realize the value from an acquired customer, you know, kind of once every ten years or whatever. But again, but brand super important, building that sort of affinity. But we've talked about we've talked about in the long run, like are are cars going to as yeah. we understand now are they going to exist? Right? Are are we going to? And if they do exist. Are they going to only exist for for an elite niche, like where they're buying Teslas and Apple cars, and 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 the small fry are using Uber or whatever? I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I do know that there's fundamental shifts underway that we've discussed that lead me to question whether cars, the transportation, will continue as an industry the way it is, where you have millions of people every year buying big hunks of metal with with that are powered by explosions that sit in their garage 95% of the time. Well, let, let's definitely put it this way. Uber is taking an increasing share of the personal transportation market, but they are not spending on advertising an equivalent uh, an equivalent share of what they're taking of the market, which right. bodes ill. Right, and, 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 and say Uber you know, takes over, it, like they will still buy cars and say we get the self-driving cars, whatever, like there will still be cars used and bought, but they're not being bought because of what they brand. confer about brand, right? Yeah. And what they say about you as a person, right? It, it, and there's tons of research about this, about millennials, how millennials just don't, like, yes, I know it's hard for people in our generation older to get because, you know, you grew up wanting a certain car and, and all, and, and you, like it's tied into your identity and all sort of stuff. But, you know, since people, basically these people grew up glued to their phones, like, they think of cars the same way we think of airplanes. Like, I don't really give a shit whether it's a Boeing or an Airbus. It needs to be comfortable and it needs to get me there. And it needs to have Wi-Fi so I can be, yes. on, so I can yes. be on my phone, right? That's right. But, like, why would you want to, like, that's time that you can't be on your phone, right? Which is unfortunate, right? And unfortunately, they are on their phone anyway. Then they get in accidents and it's very dangerous. <laughs> Youngins. Yeah. So, we, like, how long... And again, all this stuff, I think the car example, I hope brings it home. I'm not talking about this happening tomorrow. I'm not talking about it necessarily happening in two or three or even five years. But when you look out in in, in, in the long run, and I know it's cheap to do kind of long run predictions because you're not – like a prediction is worthless without like a specific time attached mm. to it. So I'm not saying you should like be investing on my thesis or something like that. One, you never should uh, because uh, – I think I have legal disclosure about that, but but too like I don't I don't know when it's going to happen. But what's interesting about this is the combination of these companies that are uniquely suited to advertising on TV, and the entire and it's not just that it's it's not just that TV is better. It's that the very structure of these companies depends on it is intertwined with the TV advertising model, and you don't change the nature of your company. You just don't like Macy's has all those stores everywhere, and. That's going to be viewed as an asset until the day it isn't, and the day it isn't, they're probably going to be out of business. Right. They will stick with that advertising on TV, and they will stick with it till the bitter end. And what's going to happen is you're, if you buy my thesis that the internet is fundamentally changing the world, that 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 the way we interact, the sort of brands that – the sort of products that work, like the jungle analogy where you have the very big ones like Amazon – you know, brown label or black label or whatever it's called, not black label, uh, private label, and you have the super niche stuff, like don't just think about that as being like publications. Think about that in all kinds of products. Like you're getting the barbell effect everywhere, right? Either you're big and you're, you appeal broadly and you're 
and you're, and you're awesome and amazing, like you're like Captain America as a movie, or you're super narrow in your niche and you're this targeted TV show that exists not to get a big audience, but exists to develop passionate fans that will subscribe just to watch your show. It's funny you called it the barbell effect because I was actually thinking of the smiling curve. Yeah, the, the, the smiling curve is, is another way to put the, bar, the yeah. barbell effect. Exactly right. it. Where, where you, all the value is going to the edges and, and anything in the middle, it's, it's going away. And you think about this and what, what I think is going to happen. And again, predictions are hard. I'm not putting time on this, so it's not worth anything. But is, it's not that TV – it's not that brand advertising is going to shift from TV to digital and then TV is going to kind of wither. It's that – this sort of intertwining edifice that is advertising and the advertisers that are on TV that are all intertwined and work together, they're going to teeter on and teeter on. And then one day the entire thing's going to collapse. It's going to happen really suddenly and fast. And it's going to collapse because not just TV, but every part of that edifice will have been rotted out from the inside. So I totally agree with the conclusion. Um, I, I, again, you you said it was you thought you were being aggressive or um uh, what, what I can't remember the word ambitious you, ambitious. I don't think you were being ambitious at all. Um, I want to ask a question though, and I suspect I know what the answer might be. Um, but um, it's not going to stop me from asking. Nevertheless, if you were a TV executive having heard all of this, what would you do differently as a result? <laughs> well, the, the, the TV has been shifting its business model for for going on 30 years now. Starting with I think ESPN was the first to pioneer carriage fees where where you you like you know cable carriers had to pay to have ESPN on on their lineup. And then they also made money in advertising. So, even though Netflix is obviously a subscription-based mm. service, all TV channels to an extent have a subscription basis in them and some of them have been better at understanding leverage that than others like i think disney has been better than others and that's why i'm I'm generally more of a defender of them like and they're really focused on making their content like you must have sort of content whether it be building Mm -hmm. up brands like 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 on the disney channel or whether it be snapping up sporting events rights even though they're super expensive and that's why espn continues to spend on that like they just dropped uh did a 190 million dollar a year deal for for the big 10 games this week like even though they've been letting go talent recently right well guess what people don't insist on having espn in their cable lineup because of the talent they do it because of the live sporting games and so like yes espn is is cutting costs but they're cutting costs in a pretty deliberate sort of way and and anyhow you just in general you see this happening and i think like companies like viacom that have traditionally been more focused on advertising and less focused on like must have if i don't have these channels i'm going to be really mad they're in much more trouble than 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 some you're seeing this kind of separation amongst these channels the uh the threat obviously the the threat here in the long run is is netflix which we we've talked about and the the idea that netflix is the long-term bullish of bull cases for Netflix. I'm not sure that they can pull this off. And 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 in some respects, this article started here and I ended up going in a different direction is because by virtue of owning the consumer and getting scale there that they do start to have, they start to get 
buying power over over the suppliers and they start getting the best shows and they start occupying enough of a user's attention where they question why they're paying for 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 all this other stuff and in the long run they become basically the new cable bundle where where you get Netflix they're not even close to being that that, that now and, and sports continues to be a big a big hole there but if I'm a TV executive it, I'm, what I'm hearing is you basic I mean and it's it makes sense you basically need to have enough differentiated content that people demand you that even if you lose your under, underlying economics from um, advertisers going away that uh, you will still find another mechanism to survive because you must watch content. But a uh, question with the exception of sports, a lot of those, um, a lot of those must have interestingly, I think, and again, I'm not a TV expert, um, but a lot of those must have, um, must have pieces of content or content creators that produce the must have shows don't rely that heavily on advertising, do they? No, and that that's not an accident. Like this has been a shift over over the last several years. I mean, they they, they do. I, I think um, you know uh, some of these must watch shows on like AMC, for example, like mm. like um, like Breaking Bad or or the the Walking, Walking Dead. Yeah, like they they still have advertising and they still make a good amount of money from that. And you know, Walking Dead is one of the biggest shows on TV. And so it's still definitely a part of their model, but you know, I've, I think we've talked about AMC in the past, like they really were early on this, like, yes, HBO is kind of the first to bring mm. this kind of prestige back, prestige TV back with like Sopranos and the wire and stuff like that. But HBO has always been a subscriber focused business where they have to earn your money every month. Whereas AMC, what they figured out with Mad Men, which ironically enough was a show about advertising, but the key to Mad Men was not the advertising. Not that many people watch Mad Men, very few people, but the people who watch Mad Men were over the moon about Mad Men and had to watch Mad Men, which meant that AMC could start jacking up their carriage fees to 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 the cable operators. Like, if you want to carry AMC, we're going to double our price, like, and from like fifty cents to a dollar or something like that, and. I don't those numbers. I'm I'm just pointing out my ran, but yep. but that's what happened, and it was a fundamental shift in this model where instead of going for lowest common denominator, reach the maximum number of people, sort of like Viacom type strategy, it became a it basically from like a push versus pull model, mm. where it really is a fundamental rethinking where our focus is not on maximizing audience, our focus is on the depth of attachment our best fans develop with our show and the networks and studios that have gotten on this shift early are going to be in a better place going forward because content is still really valuable and 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 great content that's part of the smiling curve right the smiling curve is not just that the aggregators on one side will do well but that the most highly differentiated content will do well as as well and it's so it it sounds like um as i'm thinking forward uh, so even the way you describe amc for example how amc uh yeah they have a little bit of advertising on some of these shows but it sounds like the aim is to create the best content and have people so attached to it that uh it must be part of their bundle and therefore that enables amc to charge more it's this idea of um it's this like it's almost like the content like that type of content is not going to be advertising supported and thinking out into the future 
the broad mass type content that will be advertising supported is actually more likely to be user-generated content, uh, whether it's Snapchat, like inserting ads into someone's Snapchat feed or Facebook, where it's often driven by user-generated, not entirely, but often driven by user-generated content. And on that end of the smiling curve, you're going to have advertising will be fine. But at the other extreme where it's going to be the best content, you actually want to be thinking about making your end customers pay in one way or another, because if you're a relying on advertising, you're going for breadth instead of depth, and it's going to lead you astray. Right. And the, and the challenge here is it, it, I don't know that will ever be viable generally for a one show to kind of like to live on like direct charging of customers, right? The bundle mm. works like it is really effective. It, 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 it basically creates an ecosystem where this sort of content can be created because mm-hmm. there is a guaranteed income stream like shows can fail and 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 it's okay like and and you're paying like the reason why the bundle works is not because uh it's it's all about your second preference and your third preference mm-hmm. right there's products that i will pay a small amount of money for that i won't pay the true cost for but hey if i get it i'm like if my bill goes up from ten dollars to twelve dollars and I can also watch this thing that's worth $5, like, hey, I'll take it, right? I'll pay an extra $2 for that. And you on the other side, you have the exact opposite preference of me where I'll pay the full $10 for it, but you'll only pay $2. And so if they charge five, like this work, but this only works at scale, right? You have to, it only works with a broad-based bundle. Like I I really believe in the bundle, particularly for video content where the uh, the total amount of content in the world is a lot, but it's still highly produced content, it's still limited. Mm. But if you think about who actually has that model in place for the future, it's Netflix and, right. and, 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 H- Amaz- and Amazon H- to, 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 to a, an HBO and Amazon yeah. to, to, to right. a degree. And so these companies, and so you think about these individual networks, like are people going to pay for AMC? I'm a little more skeptical of that, right? You're going to get, you know, subscription fatigue. Like at some point, like I do think ultimately we'll end up paying a similar amount for entertainment as we do today. Like I don't think this, the unbundling is going to be a, is going to necessarily save people a lot of money, to be honest. Mm. The way I think it's going to play out is the, <laughs> we're going to have the new cable operator is going to look a lot like the old cable operator, but with a better user interface right? and, and, and predicated on on-demand viewing as opposed to being, you know, uh, uh, linear, linear TV, which doesn't, which no one watches these shows linearly anyway. Everyone DVRs them and watches them later and skips over the commercials. So, so it sounds like, it sounds like if you're at, like to wind back and I'm assuming this advice. So the, the starting point for this question was, what would you do if you're a television executive? I'm, I'm assuming this advice isn't really targeted at Netflix or Amazon prime uh, folks. Cause it sounds like they're already on the path, but it sounds like you want to start moving towards the direction of HBO. If you're a, if you're AMC and you're thinking about this kind of thing, you want to start creating differentiated content to the point where someone would pay for your app or whatever that gets your bundle because your your content is so good and anybody who isn't able to pass that threshold is probably going to be in serious trouble. Right, but there's I mean there's a modular aspect to this, right? AMC is not like there's someone specifically a studio or whatever creating Mad Men and, and AMC is mm-hmm. purchasing and, and and supporting supporting that. Right? The my question is is why are, how long are we going to have these middlemen? Right? Why why wouldn't we have the the end 
the bun the so right now you have Comcast assembling a bundle in one part of the country, Time Warner mm-hmm. in another, Time Warner mm-hmm. Cable in another, you know, Charter in another, you know, Dish and and DirecTV, and they they are so they are doing the job of kind of uh, they're assembling the bundle and billing customers. And then they're passing that money on. They're divvying that money up between all the all mm-hmm. the the networks. And then the networks go out and commission these shows and pay for them and and, and all that sort of thing. And at the end of their studios, and I I I wrote about this a year ago where I actually graphed out like all the different pieces of the market, and we'll put the link in the notes. And the question is, you know, if we get to a total net, a total aggregator, we'll call it Netflix for now. Like all those middle pieces aren't necessary, right? Why wouldn't Netflix just commission the shows directly? No, no, Netflix is not making them, but the actual studios and networks, I think they'll be fine. The actual folks that are making Mad Men, the actual folks that are making these shows, making Game of Thrones. But like, why Why do we have an intervening, like what, what is the meaning of a network in a world where everything's on demand, right? You don't go to Netflix so I can watch AMC, so I can watch Breaking Bad. You go to watch Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And this whole middle, it's the same thing everywhere. Like this whole middle piece that made sense, that only makes sense in the context of the distribution constraints yeah. of TV, right. doesn't make sense in, in this world. So, I mean, if I was a network executive, I said, hold on to it as long as I can. Um, but, but they're, they're, I'm not sure why they exist. On the flip side, I think the challenge for Netflix in particular is, uh, Netflix to fully realize this vision of being basically the bundler of the of the future, their prices have to go up a lot. And I even if they get I get I mean their goal is to fix that by scale and they turned on the entire world and if they can get the entire world paying $10 a month like they can get a similar amount of money. Uh given the way yes some TV scales internationally, not all of it does. I don't know that they can pull it off at a $10 price point. And the other thing is, you know, Amazon has very deep pockets and they have an orthogonal business model where they say prime video mm. viewers become prime customers, which they make money on on the, on the backside. And HBO is 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 there. Although HBO, you know, HBO is kind of a cultural issue of moving, you know, I think HBO is happy to be an add-on. I don't know if HBO has the vision and ambition to be like the bundle in, in a way that I think Netflix does. I'm not like they're gonna they have their own challenges on the other on the other side. And again, this is gonna take a very long time to shake out. So I'm not saying ev- this whole thing's falling down and transfer transforming tomorrow. This is a very long range, like what does the world look like in 30 years sort of thing. It's uh it's interesting. I um again I come back to it. You might have called it ambitious, but like that level of interconnectedness and seeing how the um if you step back far enough and squint the extent to which the businesses are founded or built upon the way in which they advertise and those two things like the uh like the uh, attracting customers into the funnel and getting them down like the business of doing that and the business of building the widget and selling the widget how these are all inextricably linked and if you step back far enough and squint you can see them together and and they're uh, all predicated on on the friction of offline interactions right and when you when you remove that assumption and start rebuilding these businesses without that assumption you obviously get a different advertising model but you get a different business model uh doing the same job and doing it in a way that is um 
doing it in a way that um, if you've inherited all this stuff from the old world that you just couldn't hope to compete with. And that was the that was the point that that really struck home for me. And uh, I'd read the I'd seen that Macy's newspaper thing, but I drew that parallel and then seeing how the businesses and the advertisers um, I, it just, it's weird because like I say, the businesses and the advertisers are inextricably linked, but this idea that these guys are almost tied to the hip together and um, it's not just, I mean, traditionally I'd thought of it as the advertisers failing just because there was a new digital form of advertising that was better, but rather that the businesses that were formed in the era of this old advertising were actually better suited to this form of old advertising. And yeah, they might try and shift into the new one, but it it may not work. And similarly, the advertisers in that old world rely um, are going to continue to rely on the businesses that were formed in the old world. And if they fall over, it's not going to be all these digital businesses that come in and and fill the gap like seeing that interconnection like that it didn't click until uh i read the article and had this conversation with right, right like 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 harry's shaving club is not going to fill like right not going to start advertising on tv yeah but on the same time harry's shaving club the entire point of the business is predicated on facebook targeting right right like that like and in a way that the CPG brands just aren't like they're not it's almost like facebook is overwhelming in a sense it's too good like in its wasted capacity, it's like it's like disruption in reverse, yeah. right? Uh. Like Facebook way overserves the needs of these incumbent companies that are their entire structure is built around bluntness when it comes yeah. to advertising, uh. and and so you have base almost like a high end thing coming in where Facebook we can we can target to 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 gender, age, education location yeah stuff they're interested in tv shows are interested like unbelievable level of targeting when i started this was a few years ago like and and their targeting is much better now but as a joke my manager when i joined microsoft ran a facebook ad welcoming to microsoft and he could basically target it so only like employees like in that that i would likely see it in only a few other people like Mm. it, it the level of of targeting is is amazing and a, a CPG brand does, doesn't that it's too much. They don't need it. They don't need that. Like, give me the the blanket, overwhelming. You know, we're going to change. You know, just broad based advertising, and we'll pick it up on the back end sort of model. And in the meantime, and so, and I think this is almost a mistake that Facebook and Snapchat and these companies are making. They are, and I, I in my analysis, I've made it as well. Like, they're they want to win. Procter and Gamble, right? If Procter and Gamble, they see all, they see the the billions of dollars that they spend TV advertising. Man, if we could get ten percent of that, like you know, completely change our business. But their future isn't the old guard either. The future of Facebook advertising, the future of Snapchat advertising. I was thinking, I think Snapchat is uniquely suited to mm-hmm. capture some of this. But Facebook, in particular, the future isn't old money. It's new money that's disrupting old money by virtue of Facebook. Facebook needs to build their own new intertwining ecosystem. It's an ecosystem. Like TV and mm. and CPG mm. companies and car companies mm. are, are – and credit card companies, they're an ecosystem that's intertwined and they feed off each other and they they, they, they grew up together and eventually they're going to die together. And, right. and Facebook – 
to the extent they are successful. And you see this with Google. I think Google has has accomplished this to, to a fair degree. There are companies that are predicated on Google search, that yeah. are predicated on understanding how that yeah. works and how advertising works, and their models are intertwined with this. And people are like, oh, don't be so dependent on Google. Of course you should be dependent on Google. That's how you win. You win by being the best at it. And, and, you've, and you get this this relationship where these companies are intertwined and they work together and they grow up and they grow strong together and eventually they die together and that's the way the world works. Exactly. It, it's that it's that dying part that's interesting because uh, like the, this, like Macy's is shifting away from newspapers as newspapers spread and they're starting to target digital advertising or whatever that might be. But that's not going to be that they're not going to be able to compete with a whole bunch of these digital e-commerce right, right. providers. Right. I mean, think, think about. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry to jump in, but like, no. The, the the think about newspapers. What was the point of newspapers? Why were they so profitable? Because they had a geographic monopoly. Right. Right. And and so they were the and you have, everyone's looking at the newspaper every day, whether they particularly want to or not. And the Macy's out there, and the coupon or whatever it might be. What's the point of Macy's? It's, it's it's like ge- the store, yeah. It's yeah, the it's store geographic- that you can drive to. Exactly, right? it's geography. Like the business, the the reason for Macy's and all these retailers and these malls and stuff like that, they're all predicated on geography. And they're and and small wonder that when one geographic based thing goes down, the other one goes down as well. Because it's not that newspapers died and that's killing Macy's. It's that geography is being removed as a constraint. Uh, it's it, yes, and and then it, it takes down the advertiser and the business at the same time. It's not that it takes them down; it's that the, the the whole reason to exist goes away, right? The reason for a bundled newspaper of dead tree that a thirteen year old boy like me when I was younger throws on my front porch—it's stupid. We only did it that way, and people have this like this this romantic notion of newspapers. Newspapers existed because it was the only way to disseminate information efficiently, given the constraints of the world we lived in. Hmm. When those constraints are gone, it no longer makes sense. And yes, newspapers are great. I love newspapers. I love the idea of newspapers and the institutions. And and like growing up, I wanted to be like a columnist in the New York Times. But like, guess what? Like that that world's that world's gone. And the world that makes sense in the future is you have someone like me who who hangs up a shingle on the internet. Like my business, as opposed to being ravaged by internet economics, is predicated on internet economics. And and that's going to be the case for not for public. And this is why I've, I've said before, like publishing. Publishing, the reason why publishing is interesting is because it's the canary in the coal mine, because it went digital so quickly and so perfectly. What happened to publishing is going to happen to every other industry. And uh, and you see that like the trigger for publishing was was being online, but the the trigger for lots of things is e-commerce. And Amazon building up this infrastructure, Amazon is building the broadband for retail, right? They're building the pipes. So that all this stuff is possible. And once that is built out and exists, then all these other businesses that are predicated on the assumption that getting products to you is the hardest problem will no longer have a reason to exist. Yeah. And all those businesses and all these things that are but and all this the solution to all the to distribution in general is a distribution issue. The solution to distribution, whether it be newspapers, whether it be e-commerce, whether it be anything, the solution to distribution has always been scale. And once the solution, once the distribution problem goes away, and scale and scale works on TV. And once the distribution problem goes away, 
and the need for a scale goes away or where the scale is so mammoth that they can't even compete with like Amazon or it's so or you get very niche and tiny, then wh- where is TV? And so the end of TV is not just that consumers and millennials are moving their attention. It's that it's it's that millennials everything's changing. They're buying stuff differently. They're buying different products. They care about different stuff. Does that mean branding will stop matter? No, branding will always matter. I believe that brand matters hugely. But the way it the way it uh what's what's the word? Um the, magnified the way- Manifest. Man, thank you. I just started that now. The way it manifests itself is going to change. And it's going to change in a either highly niche or unbelievable scale. And all these things in the middle are are are, are in trouble. So I we're 60 minutes in and I'm getting sick of carrying you here. <laughs> I think the coffee kicked in. Yeah, it sure did. I was just uh the last two minutes I was uh I was kind of giggling away from the microphone because this happened exactly how you said it would. There was a little bit of a <laughs> sleepy tone right at the start, and then you got you got fired up and then away we went. I guess that everyone including and, and I do this too, but it's sometimes useful to like you can when you write about TV advertising, you just think about TV and you think about attention yeah. who's looking at it, right? But but sometimes when you back all the way out, yep. there's there's Everything's bigger things interconnected, right? Like that was the that was exactly the point. You step back far enough and you start to see those connections. And and we yeah. talked about how the like we both agree that the internet is fundamentally changing changing the world. And, mm. and on the you know, I've articulated, I believe it's on the scale of like the industrial revolution, the way it's gonna overchange things. And this gets at what I mean. It's not that the internet is going to pick off businesses one by one. It's, it's that like it's fundamentally e- changing the structure of how business works. And that doesn't mean you're going to change one company. It means you're, it's all the companies. It, it's ecosystems will fall and, and rise it, it, almost not, not exactly at the same time. And the way it, the way it manifests, uh, to use that word again, it, it looks, you, you see it in one industry or you see one company or you see TV advertising. But it, again, it was that stepping back and seeing the interconnectedness that I really enjoyed about this. Yeah, I should have taken out probably some of the hype cycle stuff and all that because that's it's almost distracting. Like this is the bigger issue is all this stuff bundled together. And I noted at the end of the aggregation theory, like my, the aggregation theory, like the, the, the classic examples, I wrote the, the Fang playbook, right, which is basically another take on aggregation theory but from the other mm-hmm. direction, which, it, which Fang was coined by Jim Cramer, the, the guy on CNBC, as a these are stocks that are all doing great. And he's like, there's no connection to them. And my point was, no, there is a connection. They're all the same businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. And I put Uber in there as well, where these are all businesses that are that it's about aggregating customers on one end, taking advantage of zero distribution costs and zero transaction costs where you can scale, right? You can scale in a way that you've never been able to scale before. And you're you're commoditizing your suppliers on the on the back end. And all these companies are seceding to varying degrees. And I think it's in, in an article that I've been thinking a lot about is like what are the challenges here? Like where whether it comes to like the cost, like for an Uber, like the guy has to have a car or, 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 the, or the guy has to have a car or whether it be like Facebook, there is no cost. And so Facebook is arguably the most dominant of the aggregators, right? Be just because like what, what are the factors that go into one being succeeding or, or the other? Mm. But, but in general, the point is these broad, the point of aggregation theory is that broadly speaking, these companies are all 
similar businesses, more mm. similar than you would think. And if you actually walk through this article and you talk about, well, what's the problem with TV? Well, cars are going away. Oh, hello, Uber. You talk about like attention. Well, hello, Netflix. You talk about new kinds of advertising for these very niche products. Oh, hello, Facebook and Google. You talk about e-commerce being a real driver of, for problems here. Oh, hello, Amazon. Like, it's not just that they're similar models. It's that all these new companies that are built on the premises of aggregation theory are all they're their own ecosystem. Facebook and Google and Amazon and Netflix and Uber are a new world order. And they are not just individually, but in unison over time replacing what came before. Because that was its own world order too. TV did not stand alone. Big box retailers did not stand alone. CPG companies did not stand alone. They were interconnected at a very fundamental level, and they will rise and die together just as the new companies rise and die together. You got me. I there's there's literally nothing I can say to that. I I, I agree obviously with all of it. I should that's what I should have called it a new world order. <laughs> well, we have a podcast title. Yeah, we 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 absolutely do. This was this was really good. I enjoyed it. All right, I'm awake now. Yeah, you are <laughs> awake now. You totally are awake now. Sounds good. Uh, well, I will talk to you soon. Uh, and uh, thanks for thanks for carrying me. I appreciate it. Oh, anytime, Ben. I'll catch you later. All right, bye bye. Bye.